welcome to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. Our mission is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. One of the ways we do that is through the preaching of God's Word, centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's this week's message. Amen. All right, so you can turn in your Bibles to to James chapter 4. That's where we'll be today. James chapter 4. And if you haven't been here, what we've been doing is going through the book of James uh, line by line, looking at... Primarily of brother writing a letter uh, to, to churches, scattered churches, primarily of Jewish people who are caught up in a lot of pride. And so today is a little bit of the rubber meeting the road of, of James really confront, confronting pride and, and showing us what we do with the problem of pride. And so I'm going to read the passage. We'll be in verses 1 through 12, and we're going to dive in and really uh, take a look and see what God has for us. So verse 1. It says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire and do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God, against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he calls to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace? That is why Scripture says God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and listen to this, and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother and sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Okay, so as we dive in again, we're really seeing uh, pride. Uh, James is, and so uh, to really start out, what we see in the first two verses is that James is addressing fighting and quarreling in the church and amongst his people. And then at the bottom of the passage, 11 and 12, what's he doing again? He is confronting judgmentalism. He's confronting gossip and fighting and quarreling, okay? And so we're really seeing a pattern here. If you go all the way back to the start of the book, he's telling them that, hey, you guys should humble yourselves. Hey, you guys should not speak against one another. You guys should not show favoritism. You guys should not um, speak in a manner that's unworthy. And so we see that there's obviously a lot of fighting going on Uh, amongst these people, a lot of battles, if you will. Can anybody uh, agree that sometimes in our life, do you ever feel like our life is a never-ending battle? That you're always fighting something? Many of you may feel backed in a corner and and you feel like, man, I just can't, I can't quit. I just want peace. But man, I'm fighting when I come home. I'm fighting when I go to work. Man, I'm fighting when I'm alone. There's voices in my head. I feel like I'm fighting everywhere. Does anyone ever feel that way? 
Then it, was remi- it reminded me, I, I was thinking of, uh, of this, and, and yesterday was a day where I was reminded that, man, I might have been born in the wrong century. Anybody ever feel that way sometimes? And what I mean by that is I went to go hang out with my grandfather. Uh, we, we were fixing a, a deer feeder, and, and man, just enjoying that time. Man, listen, enjoy time with your family. I cherish that day. And so we, we worked on the deer feeder, and, and on the TV was uh, one of the great American Westerns, Outlaw Josie Wells. Anybody seen a little Outlaw Josie Wells? I'll summarize. It's Clint Eastwood looking like this for two hours and probably making a million dollars, all right? Um, shooting a couple of people, maybe saying 20 words. Dude had the easiest job ever. But, but in this movie, okay, he is encountering conflict like throughout. If you've never seen it, uh, the Civil War is over. Uh, He was on the Confederate side. And so uh, at the start of the movie, a lot of his soldier buddies get executed, okay? And so uh, he's dealing with losing that. And it it shows a flashback that he's lost his family, okay? That a lot of these uh, Union folks have have, uh, wiped out his family. And so he's been fighting these battles at the start of the movie. I mean, it's just a grind. It's a fight. Well, then he somehow escapes from the Union Army and he goes out on on the run. And so he's the outlaw Josie Wells, and it's like, man, okay, so he's riding in his horse, looks like he might find peace. Guess what? Now bounty hunters are after him, okay? And so there's scenes, and there's that great scene of uh, dying ain't much of a living, boy, is what he tells the bounty hunter. And uh, so he's fighting bounty hunters. Well, then you think, man, he might finally find peace, but then guess what? He runs in to the Comanche Indians, and then there's a whole darn thing with him, okay? And so he finally gets that all settled. They, they shake hands, and then at the end of the movie, he finally runs back into the guys that he was fighting at the start of the movie, and he, he fights these guys, and, and at the very end, the, the, the leader finally says, all right, Josie, we're at peace. The war's over. And literally for an hour and a half, I watched a man battle and fight. Can anyone relate that this is how our life feels sometimes? Right? That this is an ever-ending battle. Uh, let me give some examples. Uh, maybe for some of you, uh, you're, you're at war in your family. That There are family dynamics that are, are broken and you feel like you're constantly at war with family members. There's a darkness. There's this, this unreconciled fight. Maybe for some, when you go to war, I mean, when you go to work, man, sorry. Listen, as you go to work, I'll take it back. Woo, yeah, somebody said that's right. Bless you, brother. Pray for you tomorrow. Uh, but as you go to work, it feels like a never-ending battle. Maybe your deskmate's like Dwight Schrute or something, right? Somebody just gets on your nerves. You know, maybe for some, um, it's, it's uh, marital wars, right? Is that um, maybe it's, it feels like this never-ending conflict that we can't figure it out. We can't have peace and there's just constant frustration. And I know God has more for us, but we're not experiencing more for us. And then maybe some of you have experienced what I've experienced. Nastiness in men's a child, I watched the war take place in a, in a church, right? This, this nastiness and men that I respected yell at one another and be mad and angry and this awful thing happen. If we learned anything in 2020, we are in the middle of a political war in our country. We're all caught up in this fight. And it's like, man, if I can't get peace from those other things, when I turn on the news, there's nothing but a big fight. And then maybe for some, you're walking through the season like me, there's this never-ending parental war, right? (laughs) Of battling and learning how to raise kids in the way of the Lord, especially when they're three, right? And it's this battle. And so we're thinking about this never-ending battle. 
But what I want you to know, what if I told you, and listen to me very carefully, okay? Though battle is a part of this life, though war is a part of this life, what if I told you that God desires peace for you? What if I told you that God desires for you to be at peace? He desires for you to bring peace to others. Listen, this is the best news. And one day, he will establish peace for us for all eternity. In the, in the middle of this conflict and this battle called life that we have a God who sees us in this battle and has a plan for peace for us. And this passage, what it's doing is gonna teach us how to battle well through this life to receive peace from God, to give peace to others, and to one day be with God at peace for all eternity. We're gonna learn the secrets of this today, but before we can learn how to live in this victory, how to live in this peace, we have to ride is this, uh, the powers that be that keep this from us. Number one, take this with you. Recognize that pride is the source of all conflict. Pride is the source of all conflict. In fact, I would say it like this. Sin, in essence, is selfishness. And we gotta, if we're gonna do discipleship well in 2022, we have to accurately define sin. Sin is deeper than bad things you do. It is desire in us. We don't just sin, we are born sinners. We, we have what's called a selfish heart, right? And so in essence, this idea of pride is selfishness and selfishness in essence is sin. Man, I learned this in a big way. Like I thought I was a pretty good dude until I finally heard the gospel, not at an ear level, but a heart level. Man, when I became a Christian, I realized like, dude, I have lived 21 years to get me and mine, and if you're in the way, get out of the way. Even if I was a nice person, really on the, in, on the outside, I knew what was in me, and I knew what I really wanted. No one knows us like God in ourselves, amen? And then, then I thought I was getting somewhere, man. I became a Christian. I'm like, man, I'm hungry for God. I'm listening to some sermons. And then guess what? I got married, okay? And then I learned I'm one selfish dude. I'll never forget, man, that, that first summer I was teaching and I woke up and there was a list of, of to-dos, right? To, to do what? I tell you what I'm about to do. I'm about to, do, I'm about to go fishing, okay? And I reaped the consequences that evening. So we're, we're certain, I, I learned how selfish I was, but then we worked it out. You know, we're kind of getting it going, man. We're, we're serving one another, a little more peace at our house. And then this young lady named Bella comes along, okay? And then I have kids, and I remember what Medea was talking about when she said, honey, you don't need more me time, right? Y'all ain't never seen that movie, pretty funny. But listen, <laughs> kids reveal to us how, how selfish we really are. And I look back at who I was before I met Christ and who I am now. And as I've gone about these battles and these challenges and I've learned humility, I've learned more about service as I'm continually learning now, it's all been a process of God uprooting the problem in my life. You know what the problem in my life is? It is sin and selfishness. It is incredibly painful, but I want you to know here at 34 years old, been following the Lord about 13 years, it has been an incredibly joyful process. I teared up reading scripture at our small group on Thursday because I said, man, God, thank you that I'm not who I used to be. Can, can anybody just amen that? Good to you. And thank God that, that it is done because listen, I'm at my worst when I get everything I want. When, when things are all going my way, I'm at my worst. 
because I know what comes on the other side of that. And so what he's teaching us here in this passage, he says, uh, what, verse one, let's look at this. It says, what causes fights and quarrels uh, among you? It says, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Verse two, it says, you desire, but you don't have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your desires. Listen, any time where there's conflict and fighting, there is pride. Read with me in Proverbs 13, 10. Listen, any time when you begin to get the rub in your life, Pride is involved. It says where there is strife, there is pride. Anytime, think about it, whatever battle you're going through, there is pride involved, whether it be with you or whether it be the other. But it says, but somewhere, some way, there is a selfish heart that wants to have it their way, right? But it says, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. Now listen, today is not just advice. Today is the word of God, and this is the best advice for your life. No doubt about it. And so I wanna show you this. Did you know that the problem we all face of sin started with pride. In fact, the problem we're caught up in was an angel that in his pride said, I think I can be a better God than God. And so there was pride involved that he rebelled against God and was thrown down. And it did not take long for the same problem to enter in to man, that the enemy deceived Eve, and you know what? In her pride, she took fruit that God said, this is not what's best for your life. And sin came into the world. Don't go very far. At Cain and Abel. Abel brought a better offering to God than Cain. What did Cain do? In his pride, in his envy, he killed his brother. And read the rest of the Bible. You know, It's a, a, a list full of sinners that have made its way down all the way to me and you. And so the problem is pride. And, and really it starts with, uh, God, I don't need you, right? That I've got this on my own. I don't need God in my life. I'm, I'm good enough. I can do it on my own. Listen, but I want you to know something, okay? We can't fix a problem that we don't recognize and we'll never fix a problem that we won't acknowledge. And what I want you to know is that the problem is pride in us. That's what keeps us from God's best. That's what he's talking about. That's why he says, even when you pray, you're not praying to me, you're praying for what you want. And that's why you don't have. And again, I know this is hard, man. Listen, I'm the most selfish person in this room every day when I wake up, right? Because it's in me. But I want to tell you, we've got better news coming. Because listen, take this with you. Humility is the antidote to pride. Humility is the antidote. That's a good dose that we need, not on a monthly basis, not on a yearly basis, but a day-to-day -day basis, Humility is the answer. Peace is your pride. And so if you're a believer today, I want you to know uh, your capacity to grow in this peace is your capacity to grow in humility. Hear that again. Your capacity to grow in peace is your capacity to grow in humility. Ask yourself, am I growing in humility? Now, the second thing I want you to see is this. The, the battle has been from the beginning, from, from Satan all the way to now. Um, and you're like, but okay, you're telling us we can have peace but, but listen, I also said that war and battle is a part of life. It's been a part before God ever created, we see uh, sin and Satan in the garden, right? And so what I want you to do is I want you to recognize who we should make war with, who we should make war with. If war and battle are part of life, who should we make war with? Well, it first starts with seeing God rightly 
and then seeing his world rightly. I've got a confession to make. I used to be a roller coaster junkie. Man, I loved it. And then something happened around the age 16, calling dinosaurs, calling dinosaurs if I even look at a carnival. You know what I'm saying? And for calling dinosaurs, that means vomiting. All right, so if you didn't know what that meant. But I remember one time, man, I went in to see a 3D movie and I forgot how sick I get, how motion sickness I get. And man, I put on these lens and man, I'm, I think it had something to do with a shark. I can't remember. And man, in one scene in, I'm ready to go to the bathroom. I mean, it's, I'm disoriented. Like I can't see right. And the shark looks like he's coming at me. And I'm like, get off of me, shark, right? And these 3D glasses, I can't see what's going on. I don't know who the bad guy is. I don't know who the good guy is. And it makes me sick. I can't see. So I'm just wanting to fight and punch and, and get away from these sharks or dinosaurs, whatever it was. It weirded me out. But listen, every one of us, every day, we wake up with sin-stained eyes, just like those 3D glasses. And when we can't see rightly as God intended, what we're gonna do is we're gonna fight the nearest thing to us. Hear that again. We're gonna be at war with the nearest thing to us. We wake up with fight the wrong eyes. We wake up focused on sin and self. And when we do that, what we're gonna do is we're gonna fight the wrong enemy. And that's waking up and living in pride and not in humility, not in the way God intended. Well, how does this play itself out? Uh, take this with you. Number one, um, what we will do is we will resist God. That in our pride, it says, um, read with me in verse four, it says, uh, you, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity against God. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he calls to dwell in us, but he gives us what? More grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud and he shows favor to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves then to God, resist who? The devil and he will flee from you. So listen, when we don't humble ourselves before God, what we will be is resistant to God's activity in our life. We are resisting God. So one, we'll resist God. Number two is we will befriend the world. What's well, like, what does it mean to befriend the world? Do the world of the world that he gave his only begotten son? Listen, he gave his son to rescue the world, but he calls his people not to live like the world. Living like the world is like, man, I need to get all I can get for this life. And people, church, and God are simply the obstacles of me getting all I deserve. Does that make sense? That's the way of the world, of I deserve this. This is for me. And people become uh, the people we fight and we quarrel with to get what we want. And this is what he's saying is that when we're walking in pride, we're gonna resist God's activity in our life. We're gonna befriend the world. And then lastly, we're gonna fight people because people are simply in the way of us getting what we deserve. There becomes this dissension, this frustration with people. And I wanna get it down to a heart level. Again, remember, God says that if we would submit to him, if we would submit ourselves to him, he's coming to help. But the reason we're at war with men is because in our hearts, we may be at war with God. We may be at war with God. I want hearts. Uh, out all the exterior, on the interior, we may be at war with God. Uh, I want you to read with me Romans 8, 7. This is what it says. It says um, <clears throat> that the mind, okay, the mind that is governed, that's led by the flesh, is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it 
do so. so. So when we're at war with God in our heart, our minds are being led by the flesh. That's pride. And when our minds are being led by the flesh, when we're walking in pride, we're not gonna submit to God's law, nor can we do so. Listen, I want you to tell the most loving thing I got to say today. You can't fix this problem today. You can't fix the problem today. That's why you're at church. I'm preaching about the one who comes into your life and changes the problem. That's who he is. That's who Jesus is. That's the miracle working power we've been singing about. It's not just some song to sing. It's a person to know who wants to invade you in the deepest recesses of your heart. And he doesn't settle until he has you. Not because he wants to take things from you. No, what he wants to take from you is that heavy burden that's causing the battle. He wants to give you his peace. Talking about what he's doing here. That's what this passage is about. But listen, I want you to know, okay? Talking about that praying with selfish motives, right? It starts at a heart posture of humbling ourselves before God. Because if you're frustrated with God because he hasn't blessed your plans, God won't bless plans he's not a part of. It starts at a heart level of God before I want what you want. What do you want with me? And so we, we look at this, we think we, we, we have to humble ourselves before God. Now, but listen, this is so good. When we do that and our hearts get set on the Lord, when our mind gets set on the Lord, we're gonna finally make war where it's intended to be made war on. And man, that, listen, the hair starts standing up. That's what I get excited about. You hear me? And we're not caught up. We're not here to play patty cake and come and do, do the thing. Man, we're caught up in something bigger than ourselves. So when we're right with God, we're gonna make war appropriately. We're gonna make war on our flesh, right? Because it is your flesh that robs us of God's time with God. And more importantly, it robs God of his glory. That's our desires that we're gonna begin to spend time with God to kill the flesh in our life because it's robbing us of purpose, power, and the intent God has for our lives. So we start within us, the flesh. And then secondly, we begin to make war on worldliness, right? And so what that is, is selfish ambition to be conformed to the world, right? To be just like the way of the world. And man, I don't know if you've turned on the TV in a while, the way of the world is not bringing value, it is robbing life. And it says we're called to be different. You know what's exciting about this gathering? Because it's a group of people worshiping Jesus, preaching the word, being strengthened, being encouraged, locking arm in arm and saying, we're going out there to walk the other way. We're gonna live with purpose, power, and intent to do the very thing God designed the church to do. That's what we're doing here. And so we see, man, and there's a lot of strength in numbers. You guys tracking? As we make war, man, we need somebody in the foxhole. We need somebody not in it with us. That's what the church was intended to be as we see a brother wanting to slip in the worldliness, not in a condemning way, but say, brother, be reminded, come here. We need people in our life that love us enough to, to get in front of us and, and bring us back even when we don't wanna go. You ever had somebody brought you back? You ever had somebody love you enough to, to come and say, brother, I love you, come with me. And we need that, that's the church. And then lastly, this is it. Saving the best for last. When our heart's set on God, we're gonna make war on Satan, our enemy. Because what he is doing, he is a liar, he is a deceiver. It says that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's been doing it since the creation of time. He started with Eve. I don't know that he naps, and he's been practicing for a long time. He does not want to see you flourish. He does not want you to see you grow in all the purposes God has for you. He does not want your marriage to succeed. He does not want your children to grow up and love the Lord. He wants to do everything in his power to rob you. 
That's what he exists to do. And that is an opponent worth making war on. These are the no obstacles we fight that keep us from all God has for us. And I want you to know, if, if you're struggling, there's a lot of new Christians. A lot of my prayer time has been focused on those that are just coming to know the Lord. And I know this is new. I was sitting down with a guy and basically the question was like, man, like if I'm a Christian, why do I still have these evil desires? Is something wrong with me? And I loved it because I told the brother that I said, hey, welcome to the fight. Welcome. There's nothing wrong with you. The fact that you're ready to fight says the Holy Spirit is in you. You're exactly where you want to be. You're exactly where you need to be. And that fighting the flesh and making war on the enemy is the, the right thing. And that's why we have to make war because Romans 8, 6 says, when we make war well, when we submit ourselves to God, when we practice these victories I'm about to share, it says the mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind that's governed by the spirit is what life and peace. Didn't I tell you that's what Jesus promises us? Didn't I say that's what God wants to do in your life? Isn't that what Jesus wants to do with you in your circumstance? It's not to rob you, but to give you. To give you what? Life and peace. And not only living life with purpose here, but life all eternal, right? And so that's what he's here uh, to do. And so uh, two, two things here. Craig Rochelle says that your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts, right? And so as we talk about making war on the right enemy, we have to take these thoughts captive. We begin to submit them to God. We begin to grow as Christians. And what we will do is our minds will begin to be renewed toward what God has for us. Listen, this is a daily practice. This is why we say, hey, take next steps. Hey, go to heart and soul. Hey, be a part of a connect group because there you're around believers who are encouraging one another and have an accountability around getting in the word on a daily basis. Because you don't understand it right now maybe, but listen, that quiet time is a matter of the direction of that day. And you, you look at me spending time with God and not, I'll show you two directions for that day. And I keep thinking, man, God, I've had some good years. Can I take like a few days off? Brother, he slaps me. I'm telling you, this ain't, this ain't Verizon. You don't get rollover minutes, all right? We need Jesus every day. We need him to renew our minds. Because when we are being renewed, we're gonna make war on the right enemies, pushing darkness back with light. We're gonna be fulfilling our purpose for our life. We're gonna be joining together people that are seeing people that need to be rescued and restored. We're not making war on people. We're making war on our enemy by sharing the gospel with people. It changes the way we look. And so many of us, as we, we kind of bring this in here, I want you to recognize the keys for this victory. We're gonna start again in verse four. It says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God? That's verse four. Um, why does he say adulterous, okay? Well, well, listen, God loves his church. It says in the next verse, we'll just keep reading, I'll come back to verse four. It, it says, um, <clears throat> means enmity with God. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. For do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he calls to dwell in us. So we as the church are God's bride. And all throughout the Old Testament, when God's people, the Jewish people, he would say, hey man, I, I'm gonna deliver you into the land. I'm gonna establish you. I'm gonna give you peace on all sides. I'm gonna bless you so the world can see me. I've got good plans for you if you follow, but just reject the ways of the world. Don't worship idols. Don't worship other things. 
Because what he said was this, is that, man, you are my people, and we as the church are his bride. And listen, I don't know about you, but I would, I, we, we, God does not want to share us with the world. He doesn't want to share us with the world. He wants us, right? He loves us. And so uh, we, we see that, um, that it says it's enmity with God to befriend the world. But verse six, listen, it says he gives us more grace. That's why scripture says God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. Verse seven, says, everybody listen. Put yourselves then to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. One of the best promises, everybody listen. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Right now, that's true. Come near to God, he'll come near to you. It says, wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. I want you to recognize God's keys to victory and peace. Recognize God's keys to victory and to peace. And they're very simple. It starts with verse seven. It starts with surrender and submission. It starts with surrender and submission. I, I, it reminds me of um, when, when I went out to visit my, my aunt um, in California and she, she, she brought me to a place called Hardcore Gym. I didn't know anything about this. She's like, hey, come to this gym I work out at. And I lie to you not, man. I was gonna go in. I was in shape. I was wrestling at the time. I, I walk in and, and Rampage Jackson is right there on the bench beside me. Just got done training. I'm like, brother, I'm, I'm peak up in this joint. And so I put on my shoes and man, I get into a jujitsu class and I'm, I'm paired up with, I'm paired up with this young man who's still in high school and I'm 21. He's not as like, uh, he's smaller than me. And I'm like, I can, I, I may not know jujitsu. I can take this man, okay? So I hop in the ring. We begin to do whatever you call jujitsu and homeboy had me wrapped up. I'm talking about, I, I'm, I'm sucking air for life, Right? I'm getting choked out. I'm getting choked out. And man, I, I, and I'm, I got some pride in me. Let me just say, this, this, when I'm preaching, I'm preaching to me. I got some pride. And I'm like, I'll pass out before I let this sucker choke me out, right? He's in high school. I'll choke him anyway. And so, but man, I was literally getting strangled. Like things were starting to go dark. And for many of us, man, before I finally surrendered to God, that was a great metaphor for my life. But guess what? When I finally surrendered, I finally submitted and tapped, man, he, he let go of the stranglehold and I could breathe. I could get up. I was free. I could get up. Part of fighting, again, it starts with surrender. Listen, if you're tired of fighting, it's about taking your gloves off and saying, God, I'm done. I've been fighting my way for far too long. I, I, I'm ready to submit and God, show me the way. I've tried, maybe it's trying to do good. I've tried to be a good person. I've tried to be a good church boy. God, I've tried to bring this back. I've tried to do this. God, I surrender, I'm done, help me. And then he goes on to say in verse eight, come near to God and he will come near to you. The second is prayer and intimacy. The second key is prayer and intimacy of that we draw near to God and that God desires to be with us. Isn't it crazy to think that God wants to be near us? Listen, if you're being spoken to by God today and he's calling you, listen, he wants to come near to you. It's not, you don't have to worry, wonder about it. It says if we'll humble ourselves and draw near to God, it says not he might, not he may be, if he feels like he will draw near to you today. Not a better version of you. Not, not cleaning up all the mess in your life. Today, he loves you and he wants to draw near to you. And listen, 
as we begin to learn this prayer and this intimacy, what we're gonna begin to have is a desire to be near God and a desire for the purposes of God. Right, listen, uh, prayer, and I want you to know, you wanna hear a great fight against that selfish prayer? Take this with you. The purpose of prayer is not to get man's will done in heaven, it's to get God's will done on earth. It's not to get our will done in heaven, but God, we seek him as like, God, I'm humbling myself. I want to be close to you. God, I want to feel your peace. I want to be right with you. And Lord, what are the purposes you have for me in the world? A great filter is, God, by this prayer, how will this impact the kingdom? These are great filters of how we draw near to God. And then the, the, the X factor right here is humility and repentance. Listen, the humility and repentance, the key is to be humble, to take the posture of humility. And humility is not thanking God for himself. It's not about, oh, woe is me. No, it's about thinking rightly of yourself. It's seeing God for who he is and seeing us rightly. And that's humbling ourselves. And it says where it says that, that the grieve, mourn, and wail, it's this idea of being broken about our sin. It says, verse 10, to humble ourselves for the Lord and he will lift you up. You'll never be lifted up if your sins never laid you down. Hear that one more time. Uh, one of my favorite quotes, Thomas Watson said, until sin be bitter, Christ won't be sweet. And so we see that, that in humility, it's this posture of God. I'm more broken about my sin than the sin of my neighbor. Right? I'm more, God, I want to be in a humble posture before you, God. And it says that if we'll uh, grow in humility and repentance, that God will give us grace. If I could give you one liner today, it ain't mine, it's God's. Verse six, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. It's simple. Think of your spiritual life as a garden. I would be. I got the pleasure of picking a garden this week. Uh, I, I realize, one, how terrible of a farmer I would be, but how cool a garden is, Okay. Because man, when that garden is getting all the light and the rain it needs, man, I'm telling you, them peppers and dude, it is bearing all kinds of fruit. It's amazing, right? And I want you to see our spiritual lives as a garden. And God's grace is that light and water. You know, a garden doesn't just say, hey, I'm gonna muscle up and grow. It needs what it needs. Our spiritual lives will not grow on our own. It needs God's grace. We need God's grace. Humility is the posture of getting light and getting sun and God unlocking grace in our life. That's unmerited favor. That's God's help. That's God's presence. That's God's power. And the only thing that blocks God's grace from him coming to help you in your struggle is our pride. What pride does, it's like building a big canopy over your garden. Now, if you have Christ, you will never lose your salvation. But listen, pride will put the very difficult to hear Pride will put the clouds in front of the sun and it becomes very, very difficult to hear God's voice because what? God is in opposition of pride. But man, when we posture ourselves to be humble, he lavishes his grace on us. When we draw near to him, he draws near to us. And then lastly, it says that we have to resist the devil. It says, verse seven, submit yourselves to God and then resist the devil. The devil. Well, how do we resist the devil? Man, maybe you, you, you're in for a good battle scene. I mean, my boy Josie Wells was putting them down yesterday, okay? And guess what? We get a full-length battle scene between Jesus, our Messiah, and the enemy. They square off toe-to-toe -to -toe in Matthew 4. Mark it down. 
And the enemy throws everything he's got at him, man. I mean, it is, it is gunslinging haymakers. Of, he throws the world at him. He, he throws his identity at him. Of, you really aren't who God said you are. You, you, you know, Jesus, if you'll submit to me, if you'll follow the way of the world, look at this kingdom I'll give you. He throws everything he's got into God's word. Victorious and resistant. You know why? Not because he thought of some good ideas, because he knew God's word. He fought him with God's word. Did you know every time you open up the Bible, you are being equipped for the real battle you're caught up in, and that is our enemy wanting to rob you of God's grace in your life. Every time you open it, you are being trained. Don't take my words. Listen, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Read this with me. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It'll be on the screen. Um, this is what God's word says. It says, all scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and what? Training in righteousness. Why? Why do we train in righteousness? So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Listen, we cannot go to a gunfight with water pistols. Listen, we must be trained this word that I'm preaching to you. Take it to your heart because these are the words of life. Right, they are the ones that will uh, get you through this life. His word, his spirit, us walking in it as best we know how to every day will get you to the, some relic our ultimate peace is. This is it, man. I'm telling you, this is not some relic. As denominations and people are making war on this word, it will not ever change. These are the very words of life. And so as we see that humility unlocks grace, I want to invite you in. We who have submitted ourselves to Christ, us who, who, who have said yes to Jesus, who have a personal relationship with Jesus, I want you to know that God wants us to play a part in his great story. Because when we receive Jesus by faith and have a relationship with him, we are at peace with God. Even as the world may shake and go up and down, our workplace may go up and down, our homes may go up and down, our relationships may go up and down. Heck, our own personal mental stuff may go up and down, but Jesus remains the same. We are at peace with God because of what Jesus did on the cross. But listen, you didn't receive that peace to keep that peace. You came to share that peace with others. All to share this, you into this big thing we're caught up in of rescue, restoring, and redeeming. We are called to share this gospel, this good news, not only here in Dublin, but the next city over and the next city over, the next country over. We are caught up in this story of God making his name known among the nations. Church, we are his plan A to do it. He has no plan B. Be a good steward of his peace. Be a good steward of his peace. Don't only be a peace haver, but be a peacemaker wherever he'll send you. That's what I'm inviting you into. That's what it is. And so growing people take next steps, whatever that next step looks for you. The reason I'm calling you into this next step is that we are caught up in the middle of the actual war that God saved us for to participate in, to be a part of his great story. And listen, he wants to use you. I know that sounds crazy for some because it sounded crazy for me broken down, beat up me. You don't know my story. You don't know where I am. Yes, you, exactly where you are. This, this says it. If you're like, man, how could God ever, he'll draw near to you. Submit yourselves in the God, resist the devil. Humble yourself, draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. This is not some future version of yourself promise. That's today. Man, and, it's, and I'm telling you, I've tasted life before being invited in. And then when I truly tasted this new life in Christ, I found my purpose. 
I found that this well never runs dry. I found that I don't have to worry about what I wake up for. And on the good days and the bad days, our God never fails us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. All the promises of the Bible, they are yes and amen in Christ. They're for you. They're for you. And so as we think about this ultimate peace, and maybe you say, Buck, I've never had peace with myself. I've never had peace with man. And maybe that's because you've never had peace with God. I want to invite you in. Remember, the problem is not the exterior, it's the interior. It says that it's a selfish heart, it's selfishness that is the root of sin and pride. Read with me Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27. Jesus promised us through a prophet in the new covenant, he says, I will give you a new heart. If you're like, but God, I can't, but I can't change this thing in me. Good, you were never intended to, Jesus was. It says, I'll give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone. I'll I'll give you a heart of flesh. He says, verse 27, I'll put my spirit in you. I will move you to follow my decrees and be careful to obey my laws. Listen, this is salvation. It's receiving information. It's not getting better. It's becoming brand new. It's not fixing yourself up. It's receiving a new heart. That's why we celebrate. If you wonder why people are going in the water, they're receiving new hearts. An old person is going down, a new person is being raised. And this is what I want you to know. Every person in this room, faith in Jesus is sufficient for our Savior to transform any selfish heart. What he did on the cross was sufficient for you. And so today I'm gonna gonna invite you in. If you don't know him, I've got a few instructions and then I'm gonna speak to the body of Christ of what God's calling us into. But if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, listen, look around the city. You're not gonna be the loner here. People are coming to faith in Christ and this is no better time than the present. Amen. Let's pray. Thanks for tuning in to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message stirred your affections for Jesus. We would love for you to subscribe to the podcast and share it with others. For more information about our church and other resources, please visit ConnectionDublin.com.